0: I'm excited. As, as we wrap up our, our series this morning, I was just really wrestling with, okay, how do I do this? Where do I go? There's a lot in, in John 15 that we haven't, haven't uncovered yet, haven't looked at. Um, but I was just drawn back to the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. I think we find ourselves in the midst of a pretty interesting and really really profound uh, moment in time. I think with the rise, with the rise of technology and the speed and the pace of modern life, we are, I would argue, facing an unprecedented war against the human soul. I I think that is the moment that we find ourselves at in three words and phrases that I keep coming back to when I think we look at the moment we find ourselves in We're standing in a digitally distracted, hurried, instant gratification society. I come back to these words all the time when I'm describing, hey, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I would argue is just the overall empire that we are living in. Digitally distracted, hurried, instant gratification world. Now, if I were to just kind of like open it up for for discussion this morning, like, hey, do you agree? Do you not agree? Like, I don't think there would be a whole lot of pushback. Like, if I had to guess, there wouldn't be a whole lot of pushback on what I think most of us are feeling uh, anecdotally. Now, I took the time this week, I was like, okay, this is my theory. Do I have any statistics? Do I have any data to actually back up what I think uh, the cultural moment that we are Living in actually is. There is, and I want to share a few of those with you. Here, here are some of the statistics that I found. The average American spends, I'm going to let you actually guess internally, how many hours and minutes per day do you think the average American spends on social media? Kind of like think to yourself, what do you think it is? Someone brave, willing to guess? Three hours. Three hours, close. You're doing that thing that, that you know, is like, hey, how much did I pay for this? And it's like, $5. I really wanted you to say $10. But two hours and 25 minutes. Two hours and 25 minutes. The average American watches 1,600 hours of TV each year. 1,600 hours, the average American. Now I know that's not true here at Ethos. Like, not true. You're, not, you're, you're, you're above average. 2016 survey. So this is actually kind of old. About half of Americans say they are trying to do two things at once almost all the time. And on a scientific level, I found out this week the, the myth of multitasking. Multitasking is actually not a thing. Like it's a, it's a myth. All the women in the room are like, "Oh no, you didn't. You did not just go there." <laughs> Science You can, you can task switch, but you can't multitask. It's just true. Now, I haven't even touched the smartphone. I haven't even touched the iPhone. Here's a few. It's its own category in and of itself. 89% of Americans check their phone within the first 10 minutes of waking up. 75% of people check their phones within five minutes of receiving a notification. Listen to this excerpt from, from one study. More than half of Americans say they are addicted to their phones. It's like, okay, we at least realize it, like we realize it's happening. On average, in 2023, people are checking their phones 144 times a day, though surprisingly, that number has gone down substantially since the organization last conducted a phone usage survey in 2022. I was a little encouraged until I kept reading. This could be because people simply aren't putting their phones down. There's no need to repeatedly check them. Screen time overall is up 30% from the previous year. On average, Americans spend four hours and 25 minutes a day on their phones compared to two hours and 54 minutes in 2022. New phenomenons and and phrases like hurry sickness and the Amazon Effect have, have been coined to help kind of diagnose the very thing that we all are experiencing the Amazon effect, not talking about the rainforest, I'm talking about the company, is, is the effect describing people's inability to wait on anything because they expect it all with immediacy. So we went from like two-day shipping, which was awesome, and it's like, forget two-day shipping, how about same-day shipping? And not just for items like my groceries, like whatever you want. This is what people have come to expect in all areas and facets of their life. People are less patient than they used to be in our instant gratification society. Like if, if you don't believe me, just drive on the road for like 10 minutes. You will feel it, you will experience it. And I could go on and on and on and on and on, but I think you get the picture that I'm painting. And the reason I am bringing this up as we close out our series in John 15, it's, it's not to depress you, it's, it's not to guilt you, it's not to shame you, but I, what I wanted to do this morning was to bring into picture the stark contrast, the stark contrast between the waters in which we are swimming in and the reality of the John 15 kingdom life that Jesus invites us into. The digitally distracted, hurried, instant gratification age, it is at war against the abiding life that Jesus is offering. It is at war. And I think far too often, I think what I end up doing, I think what a lot of us end up doing a lot of the time is is we think we can kind of peacefully coexist in both of these worlds. We have kind of one foot in these waters, like one foot in the other water. And Jesus himself, he makes it abundantly clear. This is not how it works. This is not true. And I know I have felt this reality deep within my, my own heart. You have, you have one, one world over here, one empire over here that is marked by, I think, shallow, distracted indulgent living. You know, it's that just kind of skipping across the surface of life, going from one thing to the next, from one new piece of information to the next new piece of information, from one podcast to the next podcast, from one fad to another fad, from one breaking news story to the next breaking news story. And even as I just stand up here and say that, it's what? It's exhausting. And then you have this Jesus This Jesus, he says, hey, I want you to come and see. I want you to come and I want you to follow me. I want you to come and I want you to join me as I teach you to live a life that is different than the way the world is teaching you to live. He says, I want you to come with me and I I want you to walk with me. And Jesus's pace is not a fast pace, it's a slow pace. He says, I I don't want you to, Live a a shallow life. I want you to live a deep life of abiding in me. He says, hey, come, follow me. Let me show you a way of living that is going to bring you the life that you were actually made for. The John 15 life that we have been looking at, that we have been meditating on, the abiding life of Jesus is is a life that is marked by slowness, steadiness, and depth. Depth. You see, Jesus, he didn't use this metaphor of the vineyard by accident. This metaphor in and of itself, all these pictures that we've been looking at of the vineyard, all the ways we've been studying what's happening here on either side of me. This metaphor in and of itself, I think gives us the best picture of what discipleship to Jesus actually looks like. Remember the context of this conversation. Jesus and his 12 closest friends, his disciples, were in that upper room. They're having that meal together. It's gonna be the last last meal and they didn't really know it at that time. And Jesus said, hey, let's get up. Let's go from here. They go on this walk outside the city walls. They're in the Kidron Valley, walking their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is gonna be arrested. And it's in this valley full of vineyards that Jesus stops and he says, hey, I wanna teach you something. I wanna show you something. You have to remember, Jesus for the past three years has been working in these disciples' lives to take them out of their old way of thinking, to take them out of their old way of living and give them a new way of living, give them a new way of thinking. It's been this slow, steady, slow process. And here he is in this vineyard lit by these torches, and they're standing around. He says, hey, let me give you one last picture of what life in me looks like, what life as a disciple looks like. You see, they had been living in another empire. And Jesus would say, hey, I want to give you a kingdom to live in, but that way of living is different than what you've experienced. Let me show you what this looks like. And as we close out the series in John 15, I want to compare and contrast. I want us to help see the different ways that Jesus invites us to live. Now, I really wrestled. I was like, okay, there's a lot to cover here. There's a lot of verses that we haven't looked at. And it was like, okay, do I do a lot? I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's hone in. Let's look at one verse, John chapter 15, verse 8. This is where we're going to hone in together. It It reads like this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Or your translation might read, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, here's two things I want us to look at. I want us to look at number one, the fruit, and number two, the process. The fruit and the process. The fruit that comes from an abiding life in Christ, living in Christ, and the process of cultivating this life. One of the things that I think we're going to see even more clearly as we close out John 15 together is that the abiding life, the fruitful life in Jesus and the way we go about cultivating this stands in stark contrast with the vine and the fruit and the cultivation that the world offers. Let's let's just first hone in on the fruit that Jesus is talking about here. Two words over and over and over again you see in John 15. Abide and fruit. Abide in fruit. I didn't actually go back and count it, but I would imagine if you go back and count it, probably, probably top two words here in, in John 15. And Jesus, he makes it abundantly clear. He says, hey, you, you're made to bear fruit. In fact, he makes this promise. You will bear much fruit if you remain in me. I think when Jesus talks about, hey, life and life to the full, the abundant life we were made for, it's this abiding and fruitful life we see here in John 15. I'm not sure if you remember the very first week um, we kicked off the series, Dave asked us a question. He said, which vine are you attached to? He had us all think, hey, which vine are you attached to? I think this is a really deeply important question because the question is not if we are attached to a vine because we all are. The question is, which one are you attached to? And here's here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important. The vine that we are attached to determines the kind of fruit that comes from our lives. Jesus himself said it, Matthew chapter seven. He said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's just a a universal truth. You will produce the fruit based upon the vine that you're attached to. And when you attach yourself to the vines of this world, when you attach yourself to the vines of this world, you will bear the fruit that comes with it. Like I've, I've experienced it, I know it, like I can testify to it. When you're attached to, to, to the world, when you're attached to the empire that we're swimming in, you will bear the fruit of jealousy, envy, pride, idolatry, anger, bitterness, anxiety, consumerism, vanity, you get the picture. Here's the thing. When we spend more time in the vine of our algorithms than we do in the true vine of Jesus, we should not be surprised by the results that we're getting. We shouldn't be surprised. A few years ago, I, I actually found myself a little surprised. I'm speaking from experience. I went, I went through a season... I, I went through a moment, and Keila can attest to this, where, where I found myself just having a hard time just being present. Being present to the people who are in front of me, like being present to God in prayer. I had a hard time even being present to my, to my kids. It, it was wild. It was like I would be with my kids, and there was always something more productive that I could be doing. It's like there, there was always something more fulfilling or gratifying that I could be doing. It's like I would be with someone, I'd be having coffee with them, and I just found myself just thinking about the next thing, distracted. There's a phrase I heard recently, um, I think it was John Tyson in, in New York City, who, who kind of coined the phrase tecularism. And I think we all understand secularism, right? But I think we're swimming in waters that are affecting us so much deeper than any of us realize. And I stood, I stood back and I looked and I was like, I'm connected here, I'm connected here, I'm connected here, I'm connected here. I had no space, I had no margin in my life to simply just be. To simply just be still. And all the places where I had attached to other things were deeply affecting my ability to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. It had actually affected my ability to to abide in Christ. So I made some... Some drastic changes, and if you want to know what those are, you can come ask me. I won't get into the details. The vines that we are attached to matter more than we realize most of the time. Here's, here's the I'm not trying to depress y'all, I promise. I'm just trying to help you see what is, because here's, here's the good news. Here's the incredible news. Jesus, he makes this promise. He says, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit, much fruit, and it is the good fruit It is the very life that we are looking for, whether we know it or not. It's that life, life to the full. It's that life that is marked by joy. It's the life that's marked by peace. It's the life that's marked by contentment. It is the life that is marked by a non-anxious presence wherever you go. It's the life that, that loves their neighbor, that loves the least of these. It's the life that that shares the good news of Jesus with their family, with their friends, with their neighbors, not, not because you have to or you should, but because it's just too good not to share. Because you've tasted and you've seen and you've experienced what it's like to be in Christ, to be so attached to that vine. The fruit that comes from the branches attached to Jesus himself are the beautiful fruit that we were made for. Now, some of you already may be saying, it's like, okay, I'm not there. Like, I want that, but I'm not there. It's okay, we're gonna get to the process here in just a moment. He says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Verse 16, he actually goes on to say, he say, this is why I've appointed you. I chose you, I appointed you, so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That is what we were made for. And I think, when I think about the fruit, of life in Jesus. It's both an internal and an external reality, both an internal and an external reality within the life of a disciple. It's that internal work being transformed from the inside out as a person more and more into the image of Jesus. It's his character becoming our character. It's that slow process of someone being marked by humility self-control, patience, goodness. But it's also, and hear me, it's also the external manifestation of what he's doing internally. It's You're becoming a person of compassion. You're becoming a person of love. You're becoming a person that's serving those around you. You're becoming a person who's, who's quick to forgive those who need forgiveness. You're becoming a person who is just simply living on mission wherever you go because you've received something from Jesus that you can't help but give away. But it's one thing to like understand this fruit, it's one thing to paint this picture that I think I'm painting without actually understanding the process, the cultivating that needs to happen in order to bear that fruit. And I wanna end our time talking about this, the cultivation process And verse eight actually speaks to this in a way that I've never understood before. The last two weeks, of, as I've looked at verse eight, my mind has just been just marveling at who Jesus is and what he's like. Because I'll be honest, okay, the last part of this verse, hey, you're showing yourself or you're, you're proving yourself to be my disciples. I, I honestly have read that this way. Like, hey, in order to prove that you're my disciple, you, you must bear fruit. Like, go ahead and prove yourself and then my father will get the glory. Prove yourself by your fruit. And on one hand, you could argue that that is true. But the word in the original language is so much more beautiful and I think revealing to what discipleship to Jesus looks like, to what the abiding life looks like. The word in the original language is ginoma. Like that word proving or showing is ginoma. Everyone say ginoma. Ginoma. Greek scholars. (laughs) It's a word that actually means to come into being to emerge, to become, to mature. I love how one scholar puts it. It's a manifestation implying motion, movement, or growth. I think one of the reasons I felt so compelled to end our series in John 15 here in verse eight is because the fruit and the process of cultivating it implies this ongoing process of becoming and growing as his disciples. But the more we live in Christ, the more we abide in Christ, the more we become like him, the more we we mature and grow into who He has made us to be. The great news for each of us, no matter how the past thirty days have been, like no matter what the past thirty years have been, no matter if you find yourself like on the on the beginning journey of following Jesus or you have been In decades of being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is at work in you no matter where you are in your faith journey. It's it's this process of becoming more like him that we continually surrender ourselves to. We will not arrive, you will not arrive, at least this side of eternity, as his disciple, as his follower. We can keep emerging. We can keep maturing. We can keep growing into who He has made us to be. But I think sometimes we buy into this false sense of reality that, hey, we're going to arrive one day. We're going to hit that peak. We're going to hit that pinnacle, and everything else will work itself out. And there's, I think, something deeply important to understand. Remember, we talked about it just a few minutes ago. We have to remember the setting of this conversation He's in a vineyard. He's talking about vines and branches. And he says, hey, this is a slow, steady, incremental process. A process that is counter to the ways of the world. Slow, steady, deep. When you study the life cycle of a vineyard, which I did this week in depth, uh, you don't actually see the fruit, the majority of the year. Like the majority of the year, you, you don't even see fruit. It's a process that that, that works in seasons. It, it's a process that, that sees different phases of, of the journey. And here's the cool thing, for, for, four, for four months out of the year, the, the vines, the branches, the, the leaves, like it looks completely dormant but there's something really important happening beneath the surface. Even when it doesn't look like it, the roots are still growing. The roots are getting nutrients. Hear hear this, at a psychological, behavioral science level, 90% of the time, our behaviors are what comes before a change in attitude and affections. The far majority of our life, we are making decisions. We are making choices. We are choosing to live in certain ways that, in the moment, don't actually feel like it's doing anything. And that slow, steady, choosing the good thing eventually changes us from the inside out. So that that morning routine in solitude, like opening up the Word of God, spending time in the presence of God in prayer. It is that slow, deep abiding that more often than not, confession doesn't feel super fruitful in the moment, but it's cultivating something. That weekly rhythm of, of showing up to your house church, showing up to that discipleship group, showing up to that, that Bible study on campus, like that decision week in and week out is more important than we realize most of the time. Your choice to be here each Sunday with God's people, worshiping, taking, taking your thoughts and your affections away from yourself and putting them on God week after week after week. Honestly, most Sundays don't feel very life changing, but I promise they are doing some deep work within the recesses of your heart. You each week showing up at that nonprofit like serving the least of these, just those small acts of loving your neighbor, just imitating the works of Christ. In the moment, most of the time, doesn't feel like it's doing anything. Jesus says something different. It's doing something deep within us. That time each February, when your church asks you to fast and pray, and you're like, I've done it. I don't, I don't think it's working. You just make that choice, hey, I'm gonna believe that God is doing something in the waiting, in the stillness, even when it doesn't feel like it. And then you hear a testimony like Abby Bullock's from last week. I don't know if you noticed this. She, she She went back not 28 days. She went back four years. Her testimony started in 2020. She was able to step back and look at what God had done over the last four years of her life, not the last four weeks. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts, frames up, names our discipleship to Jesus. He says it is long obedience in the same direction. That long, steady obedience in the same direction. Here's here's the question I've been asking myself this week. And here's the question I wanna ask Us as we end this fast, do you trust in the work of Jesus? Do you trust in that slow, steady work? Will will we keep choosing to to put ourselves in places where He is, is doing something in us? Will we trust His words? Well, we trust that when we step into the things that he has laid out for us to step into in obedience, hey, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it, he is doing something deep within us. This past month of prayer and fasting, meditating on John 15, it, it wasn't about like crossing a finish line. Although you did, congratulations. <laughs> it wasn't about checking a box. It was about us saying, hey, we're going to step into a life that looks like this, abiding and remaining in Christ. We're going to keep allowing the Holy Spirit to do that slow, steady work in our life, even when it doesn't seem like it's working. Day by day, week by week, month by month. God can work in moments of intensity, like He can work in moments of intensity. And I welcome that, Lord. Like, if you want to do that, like, come on. But I look back over the course of my life, and it's actually the ordinary moments of consistency over time that has transformed me from the inside out. Ordinary, steady, consistency in our discipleship to Jesus. And then all along the way, there are these There are these moments when you stop and you remember, right? You look back and you think, oh, this is what Jesus has done. This is how far Jesus has brought me. It's what Abby shared last week. Oh, over the past four years, this is how I've grown. This is how I've seen God answer prayers. My question for each of us this morning is, is less like, hey, what what has God done in this month? But instead, what is your next right step? What is your next right step in ordinary, slow, steady obedience to Jesus? For some of you, like it's stepping on that trusting path of abiding for the very first time. For some of you, you, you've you've yet to say yes to life in Christ. And for some of you, it's either going to be a first time stepping into that life with Jesus or it's going to be a re-stepping on that path. For others of you, hey, the fast did not go as expected. The season of life is not going as expected. It feels unfruitful. It feels hard. And here's just my encouragement to you. Here's my ask to you. Would you just keep trusting in the promises of Jesus? Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, would you keep taking the next right step. For some, maybe you saw breakthrough this past month. You, you saw God answer prayers. You need to remember just how far God has brought you. You need to humbly testify to what God's doing. Because I promise you, people like me need to hear it. And the same step for you keep taking that next right step, trusting trusting that he's doing something deeper in you will do more through you than you ever believed possible and i believe as a church when we look back 5 10 15 20 years from now we're going to have some moments where we remember wow this is what he was doing couldn't see it couldn't feel it didn't know it but he was at work let's pray Father, we, we trust. We trust in these promises of John 15. And where people aren't able to do that right now, I I ask that you would help us all to step into the trusting word of John 15, that, that you will bear fruit that you will do something beyond us, in us, through us, if we will keep trusting the promises that you lay out before us. And Jesus, it is in your name, the one we come to, the one we abide in, that we pray, amen. Hey, each week we, we come to the bread, we come to the cup, we literally are saying, hey, Jesus, it is in you and through you that we do this. We can't do it without you. And here at Ethos, we have tables scattered all around the room. We have this bread and this juice on the bar and these tables. And we, as a community, we get up from our chairs, we walk to the tables, we bring it back to our seats, we circle up chairs because we're not made to do this alone. Like We're not made to walk this journey alone. And so that's the very thing that we're going to lean into this morning. I invite you to stand, to go grab communion, to circle up chairs, to pray, to process, to name what your next step of trusting Jesus is.